This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number 655 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. Today we have Amy Novakovich. She is with Nova Wealth Management. Amy, how you doing? Hey, good morning. Good. How are you? Doing great, Amy, and thrilled to have you. And uh, yeah, love to talk about the good neighbor stuff. And uh, there are a lot of topics in that. And one, I think a big one is financial. You know, it's, it's, I, that drives so much, right? You know, if, if our financial health is good, just like our physical health, you know, and our right. mental health, uh, what else is there? So, uh, well, they all go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, they do. financial health is good, typically your physical health is good and vice versa. They affect each other. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how that's all connected. So yeah, yeah. you're doing some wonderful things. I love the videos that you do, the live broadcasts and all that. I mean, you know, you're focused on helping people, whether they're clients or not. And I think that's what it's all about. So let's start Amy with Nova Wealth Management. Tell us about your firm. Sure. So my husband and I are the founders and uh, what we like to specialize in is taxation, wealth management, which is just managing assets. Uh, but we go well beyond that. And we'll, we can probably get into that a little later. But estate planning, uh, I am a certified financial planner. So a lot of what I do revolves just around planning in general, retirement planning, income planning. We are an independent registered investment advisor. So we're not a commission-based firm or a broker. Uh, so we do give fiduciary advice and we do both just fee-based management and then hourly management for those that might just want to do some hourly financial planning. And, you know, we have now had our firm open. My husband and I have been managing money down here. Uh, for over 15 years, but we opened our firm in 2011. So we're now in our 11th year, which is really exciting. Wow. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone who's been in business, currently in business, we all understand the significance of that because I mean, the reality is most businesses don't last a year. Right. Five years. Very blessed. We're very fortunate. So we actually left a large investment firm within a bank. And so normally people do go from like a bank to like a wirehouse channel. We call it the wirehouse channel. But just for those that don't know, it's like the Merrill Lynch's, the Morgan Stanley's of the world. And we just didn't fit that mold anywhere. So Mm -hmm. we just took that major leap and said, we're doing this all on our own. We're going independent. And you go from a bank where they're walking people into you to being independent. It was a big learning curve. And we had 1,200 families when we left the bank. And we luckily had eight of our top 10 clients come with us. But besides that, I mean, we really started over and it was, it was kind of fun. I mean, it has, it has its pressures and stress. I'm a firm believer. Like if you just put out the right information and you have the right heart, it all comes back. And we've been blessed every day. It's called having faith, right? You know, I'm I'm sure you and James, it it was very lonely in the beginning. You went from right all this activity. <laughs> people coming to you. Our like, whole office was the size uh, of my office when we first started. Like, why do you need, you know, a bigger office than yeah. that? So we definitely uh, grew from there, hired people onto our team, uh, hired assistants and yeah. grew the different firms that we park money at. We now have three different firms that we use depending on the, what the client prefers, you know, like a Schwab or a TD or an interactive brokers, depending on what they want. So we have definitely come a long, long way from where we were in the bank. Cause I started in banking. I was, I was um, a banker. So 
Yeah. And my husband was not, but I have that background. Let's, let's talk about your journey then. And and you can include James's journey as well. I'm intrigued now, but let's start with you. Tell us how you got into this world. <laughs> well, I'm originally from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we met in Florida because he's from Cleveland. Um, but I originally started in psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and funny enough, that psychology degree through COVID and through the financial crash of 08, I probably used the psych degree more than, yeah. <laughs> more than the finance degree. You know, it's um, it, it's a big deal when you're talking money and emotions and finance. So, so I started with that route, but when I got to Florida, uh, I really needed a job. So I just kind of went around <laughs> and, and, and I was still in school. Right. So I'm just winning around. I'm like going everywhere I could. And the bank hired me as a banker. And I just said, I've never been in banking, you know, but I I'm pursuing psychology and I really, I'm always been good with numbers. So I really think that I could do this. And I just worked my way up completely, uh, throughout the bank. I worked my way up to a relationship manager, uh, and then got all my licenses. And then I did meet my husband there. Um, so he started right out of college in finance at American Express in 2000. I think that was. I'm aging. Okay. He's not going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We love you, honey. He can handle it. Yeah, it's okay. But he um, he did start with American Express Financial Advisors. And, um, it, and they've probably changed a lot over the years. But he just didn't love it there. Uh, so then he got with Fifth Third. Um, after that. So he was then moved by fifth or down to Florida. So he, we, that's where we met. So I Hmm. certainly, I sat in meetings with him and I loved his enthusiasm to help people. I know that sounds super cliche, but when you're sitting with someone that's just doing a job, you know, Hmm. and they do it well, and that's great. You don't have the same effect as when you're sitting in the room with someone that has an end game of to help the person. And it was just a different feeling. So I, I learned that from him and I give him credit for that, mm-hmm. um, that it was just contagious. And I really wanted to help people in a different way. And I realized I could use my psychology background along with my finance background. So I actually went for finance at that point and then got my CFP and got my CRPC uh, and the rest is history. Yeah. So we just decided to jump ship. I don't know if you want to ask me why, but <laughs> I'll let oh, you open you that loop. <laughs> that's your call <laughs> well yeah i mean like i said we just didn't fit the mold like i yeah, think the mold yeah. of a bigger firm it doesn't mean that they're bad advisors it just means that their job is only really to bring in new clients that's the business model you know and um again it's not like you're going to get hurt uh, you're yeah, yeah. you may just not get as much attention because like yeah. when we left you if if you were a client you were one of 1200 yeah. And and there's not enough hours in a day for me to have seven meetings uh, with new people and then also manage 1,200 people. So you have to kind of come up with a way to manage that, right? So if you are conservative, you're going to go in this bucket. And if you are mm-hmm. moderate, you're going to go in this bucket. And so they manage it that way. Again, not hurting anybody. We just felt like we could do more. It was yeah. really that simple. So yeah. when we shopped around all those other firms, uh, we just determined, look, we've got some clients that want to go super aggressive and trade options. We've got some clients that just want CDs and we can broker CDs from all over the country, you know, uh, and nobody fits this mold really. So why not go independent and offer mm-hmm. full financial planning and really do the individualistic investment advice? Because mm-hmm. a lot of places, those 
the term financial advisor, I feel like has really been watered down and it's unfortunate, but uh, most advisors I would probably say are an investment advisor, but they don't necessarily cover how those investments coincide with taxation or estate planning or what mm. income should I pull from where, what makes the most sense? You know, it, Yep. Make a bigger impact when you put it all together. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting, Amy. It reminds me of some of the past interviews we've done with those in the uh, medical field, you know, physicians who have gone from, you know, the, the bigger box right. practices to their own simply because of I'm that. Sure it's very similar. They were on the clock, right? It's like, you know, just this constant stream of patients, what they, right. you know, it's why they got in, in the field, but they just didn't feel like they were able to help that the way they knew they could because they only right. had 10 minutes. Right. You know? right. So, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and it's, it's, I, again, I, I don't want to insult anybody or put down any firm or anything, you know, it, it is, there's great people at those firms. You know, we felt like we did a really great job and our, and the best job. And in 2008, the day after Lehman brothers failed, uh, that was in September of 08. We did sit on the phone with our five licensed bankers, our two assistants and the two of us and tried to call all, 1200 mm. families try to wow. move out. So we didn't time it exactly like the downturn started a few months earlier, but yeah. when Lehman went under, that was kind of like, okay, we need That's to move. Real. We need to do something. You know, you yeah. don't want to move it to cash. Like now the market's going crazy right now. You don't want to do this back and forth. Cause you got to be right twice. If you get out, but you gotta be right also then when you get back in and it's hard enough to be right once. Yeah. So you don't want to be doing that all the time. But yeah. this was different. We felt like it was very different. So we we tried to get out uh, people after Lehman failed. And um, we earned a lot of trust that way. And, you know, um, it, it came along again in COVID. COVID was a very interesting time in the market. Yeah, you know, that's right. You know, we, <laughs> it was it, it, really it, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. forty. it was almost 40% in 21 days. It was, it made history. Wow. Yeah. So you can look back on it now and say, wow, that was a heck of a buying opportunity. We literally erased the Dow went down to 18,000. We erased years of market performance in three weeks, you know, so you have to have an advisor that's on top of things, you know, mm -hmm. the old traditional buy and hold days with now computer trading and algorithms mm -hmm. uh, and hedge funds getting more and more and more and more money. Um, the old buy and hold days are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Really <laughs> interesting stuff, Amy. And speaking of interesting, yep. mis misconceptions in your industry, what do you hear that you can speak to? Well, I hear a lot, um, like I said, from mostly from prospects that they're scared. They've been burned mm. by financial advisors in the past. A lot of people have had a bad experience and I would encourage them that that is just a myth that they're not all created equal. Just like if you have a bad doctor, you don't just stop going to doctors. You have to keep looking for the right fit, right? So yeah. a lot of myths is sometimes people will try to just do it on their own because they've been burned by a financial advisor. And I would just say that that is really difficult. Even me personally, do you know, I don't even manage my own IRA. Like I have to have mm -hmm. my husband do it because why? Because you mentally get emotional about your own money. Yeah. And so you might make devastating decisions mm -hmm. because based on life circumstances, based on your mood, yeah. you know, it, 
it, it just is really, yeah. really tough. And so instead of buying on a dip, you're selling on a dip and you're making devastating yeah. decisions. And so I would say that that's a huge myth is that financial advisors are don't really do much. They're all created equal uh, because somebody's been had a bad experience. I always say it's a lot like like church. <laughs> you shouldn't just stop going to church just because you have a bad experience. You know, I'm a firm believer that you have to find just the right fit. And so you keep yeah. moving along until you find that right fit. But that's yeah. what I see. I see a lot of people are scared, you know. Yeah. And so that's why we do do the hourly because some people are like, I want to I want to try to do it myself, but I want to bounce it off somebody. Yeah. But I respect that. I fully mm -hmm. respect that. So we do an hourly charge where I'll just get together with somebody quarterly. We don't take control fiduciary wise or discretion wise of the assets. And we give hourly consulting just to kind of help them along yeah. the way. So because I, 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 I understand the, psych the psychology of that. Yeah, It's tough. It's tough. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just have to find the right fit. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Very, very smart. I, I love that model. <laughs> well, it, it isn't everybody's model. Um, I yeah. would say we kind of bucked the trend on that, doing like the hourly consulting on top yeah. of the fee base. Um, yeah. And we probably bucked the trend a lot on business owners um, because I know in Southwest Florida, there's a lot of firms that in order to keep their model of what they do with service, they have a high minimum. So they might have like a $5 million or a $10 million minimum. Yeah. And my husband and I have taken the firm stance that there's a lot of people in Naples or even Fort Myers and Cape Coral and Estero and Bonita. I mean, they're all over that make great money, but no financial advisor. Let's say I'm putting quotations. I know they can't see me, but no money manager is going to pay attention because they're coming in with zero dollars. Yeah. yeah. So what we've done is we've developed a model where we can work with those people to say, look, People didn't just show up in Naples with all their money. They have a story. They grew it somehow. I mean, some inherited it, probably. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But they have a story and they had to start somewhere. And it was more than likely starting with very little money. And somebody had to say, hey, if I can get you on the right plan, if I can get you on the right track, I have several business owners that have started with nothing with me that now have millions because I've tried to get them on the right track with the amount of money they make. They should be putting money away, but they haven't because they haven't had that guidance and they go a mile a minute, right? A business owner mind, which I understand because I am one. Yeah, yeah. You go a thousand miles a minute and you don't stop to think like I should be saving some of this money. I'll just sell my business someday. And that's my retirement plan. It doesn't always work. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Outside the office. Yeah. What are you doing for fun? Well, I have four kids. That's um, fine. I have twin 16-year-olds, uh, a boy and a girl. It's funny. <laughs> uh, and then I have a seven-year-old, um, and I have a five-year-old little boy. And I always like to advocate for type 1 diabetes because my seven-year-old was diagnosed when she was five. So our life got turned completely upside down. Yeah, even my other kids say all the time, like, it's a lot. You always pay attention to Hopi. Like, her name's Hope. Um, so we spend a lot of time managing, managing that as best as we can. Like I actually had to silence my phone when you and I first started talking cause she's beeping low. <laughs> so I have everything right on my phone. So it is a lot. So, um, we have our, our family dynamic. We're trying to do a lot of things with the family. And then I'm on two boards. So I'm on the board at youth Haven. I'll put out a, a 
you know, a shout out to Youth Haven. It's a fabulous organization. And if you haven't heard of it, I would highly suggest you check it out um, because people don't even know we're there. So I'm on the board of Youth Haven. They, if you don't know, they take in um, children that are homeless or have been abused or removed of their homes for any given reason um, mm. by DCF or whatever. And so they're essentially, I mean, to put it plain and simple, they're an orphanage. Like they take children that need a home and they do a really good job of making them feel like they have a home and they're special and they get the care that they need and the schooling that they need. It's an amazing, it really is amazing. Right. I've been on a lot of boards, but I'm really enjoying this one. Yeah. I've, I've, really that's the first I've heard of them. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. They've been in Naples yeah. since 1972. Like this is our 50th year. That's what I'm saying. People don't know they're yeah. there. Um, yeah. They have a new executive. Well, not a new, she's been there a year now, but executive director that I adore. Uh, and that's how I got on the board is because I've worked with her on other boards. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a really great board. So that takes my time. And then I'm on my daughter and son's school board as well, the advisory board. Um, and then I am at church on the worship team. So I do love to sing. <laughs> so that's, yeah. you know, in my wow. free time. I always say, like, if I have some free time at like 1 a.m., I could certainly help you out there. Well. Amy, uh, number one, I, I got chills when you mentioned your daughter, you know, suffers from type one. And yeah. uh, we understand that our daughter diagnosed at age 16 and it no changed everything. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It changes everything for the rest of the family. It changes a lot. I mean, you manage, you learn, but. Yeah, but, you know, it, it it's, a, you know, it's that invisible disease that. Unless yeah. you experience it, you have no idea, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, th those kids now adults in our case, uh, they're dealing with it every, as you know, every minute of the every day. Minute. And, every minute. Um, yeah. So, uh, and it's a lot. I mean, 16. So I always say like my daughter being diagnosed at five was an interesting age because she's little enough that she didn't yeah. really understand what's yeah. going on but big enough that she could just say, no, you're not touching me with that needle. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. 16, like, I don't know whether good or bad. I don't know that my daughter will ever remember being right. She does right, right now. You know, she yeah. remembers before and she says all the time, why do I have to have diabetes? Why, yeah. you know, she says those yeah. heartbreaking things, but at 16, I mean, they will forever remember what it was like pre diabetes. Yeah. And that had to be a, that had to be a really tough time for you. Yeah. It was, uh, you yeah. know, Fortunately, I had Barb, and uh, she devoted her next seven years of her life, yeah. literally becoming a doctor. I mean, wow. the, the, the text she read, everything to the point now where she advises a lot of folks, yeah, um, to just to help them uh, because right. uh, we we don't want them to go through what, what our daughter went through. Right. You know, it's uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of respect for what you do and juggling all that. And then, yeah, we, we have three kids. And, and the challenge, of course, is because you do have to devote a lot of time to your type one child because you right. want to keep them alive. And that's you know. listeners don't realize that every day is a life and death situation for a type right. one. Correct. Right. And, uh, well, and just, people don't realize either because they relate it to type two. So it's yeah. like my yeah. father, who's you know, like borderline type two, he'll give her an apple and then I'll see her numbers shooting up. I'll be like, dad, yeah. what'd she eat? Oh, she just had an apple. Okay. Well, you have to give her insulin for an apple, even the healthy stuff. If she has a piece of gum, I need you to put it in her pump. You know? Like, oh, you know, oh, and then it's the whole, you know, thoughts like our <laughs> daughter, she, she loves shopping. And she, if she would go into the mall, her blood sugar would shoot up. Yeah. Uh, oh I mean, yeah. Even emotions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. it, 
It's, yeah, my daughter just had her Taekwondo belt test. So, I mean, they can do normal things, but it's yeah. not a normal day for me because I'm sitting there. I have her go in with her blood sugar at like 200 and just from the excitement and the adrenaline, she's tanking. And I have to run out there and get her a juice box or an applesauce yeah. or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Who knew this was going to turn into? I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But oh it is, goodness. you know, I mean, there is a reason for all things. I'm a firm yeah. believer that everything has a reason. And you know what? These kids are so stinking strong, Charlie. Like, yeah, man, the, yeah. I always tell my daughter, you are the strongest kid I know. The things that you go through and do every day. I, I'm amazed by her and her strength. Yeah. Really. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. Well, you know, our next topic was going to be hardship life challenge. And, <laughs> and I, you know, yeah. if you were to ask me that question, we just covered it. You know, our right, daughter. Right, right. Uh, but it I, is how you look at it. I mean, I, you know, everybody always says, I wouldn't want to be you when the market's going down, you know? And it's like, I guess I kind of try to train my clients that when the market goes down, and it will, it always does, yeah. you had to already be in the right risk tolerance which could be customized to you down to a specific number one out of 100 you know and then you have to take buying opportunities so you have to start looking at these market fluctuations like an opportunity you know and and that is one thing that is hard for clients to do because they tend to get emotional but i will tell you i've had clients that come in here that are like panicking clients in the beginning mm -hmm. but yeah. once they learn how to look at things it's not a hardship. It's an opportunity. It's not a time to panic. It's a time to look forward towards the future. We're going to buy and we're going to come out of this on top of the market. You have to train people about that mindset because they start to look at it all differently. Yeah. So I would say that normally people would guess, oh, wow, I wouldn't want to be you. You know, it's so hard when the market goes down. And it, I guess, I mean, it's not easy ever to see accounts going down. But again, it's how you look at it and how you handle it and how you come out of it each and every time. Because wow. on average, historically, the market corrects 10% once a year. Like <laughs> the market goes up more than it goes down. But they don't realize that because the time that it goes down is way more stressful. Yeah. Right? When it goes up, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's doing what it's supposed to do. <laughs> You know? Yep. Yep. So you have to look at things differently. And I would say we've definitely trained our clients over time to look at things differently. So it's not as hard as it seems. So yeah, I would say managing type one diabetes is harder than managing a down market. <laughs> but it's funny because if your daughter, I don't know if she has a Dexcom, but your sugar is like this, it looks just like the stock market. I always say it's kind of ironic that of all things, I deal with something that is on a chart that goes up, down, up, down, up, down, and yep. you have to react yep. on the ups and you have to react on the downs and that's the market right like yeah. so and, it's about and, how you look at yeah. it you have to look try at to it predict as well. yeah. Right? yeah 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 you have yeah. to definitely try to um train your reactions yeah. for sure yeah one thing you wish our listeners knew about nova wealth management what would that be one thing i wish they knew i would probably say that advisors, a lot of advisors get into a rhythm. You know, there's a lot of, this is our philosophy type thing. We use a third party money manager and they've performed X, Y, Z. We have a focus on um, being allocated right here. And, and as long as you're allocated here, you're good. You know, I would say one thing I'd want them to know about Nova Wealth Management is we are going to change with the times. So 
Another place where I would say we buck the trend is, for instance, right now, I don't know how familiar our listeners are with bonds, but as interest rates rise, bonds go down. I'd probably guess, um, I could be wrong, but nine out of 10 advisors will probably just say, as long as when you retire, you have some in bonds and some, you know, more in bonds and more in stock, you'll be okay. And we'll just rebalance and everything will be great. We don't believe that. We believe you have to keep up with the times. You have to make decisions based on the economic standings that we have right now. And the fact is, for the first time in 40 years, we are going to be in a very quick rising interest rate environment because we have inflation that is the highest that it has been in 40 years. So what's going to happen to bond portfolios? They're going to go down. I don't have to know what bonds you own to know they're going to go down in the next few years. So what do we do? We have literally less than 2% of our clients' money in bonds right now. Mm. We found alternatives, that different things that we're doing that I don't need to get on, into this podcast. Mm. But just know that there's other things that you can do that are fixed, that are safe, that are different from bonds that won't be interest rate sensitive. So one thing I want people to know about Nova, we certainly move strategies around according to the times because there's not one strategy that will just work forever. We just don't believe that. It, it just doesn't. So. <laughs> well, on that note, Amy, I'm sure we have listeners who want to get in touch, want to learn more. What's the best way for them to do so? Yeah. So I would say, I mean, we have offices in Chicago and Dallas as well. So depending on where they go back to Snowbirds, we have clients all over the country. But I would say our our main office is in Florida. So call our main office, 239-444-1794. Or you can go to our website to see, you know, everything about us, which is just www.novawealthmanagement.com. So they can reach out to us through the website as well as our Facebook page. We have a lot of people that go on our Facebook page and reach out to us. And it's just under Nova Wealth Management as well. So those would be the best ways to get a hold of us. Terrific. Well, Amy, it's been a pleasure. And what a surprise. Uh, again, you just you just never know what you're going to hear on these podcasts. No, I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully uh, good inspiration for other parents uh, right. dealing with type one. And, right. Um, Absolutely. And, and I can't not mention that. It's like now it's ingrained in you. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't love to talk about it, but I bring it up all the time because you never know who you're going to meet. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, terrific. Well, we wish you guys the absolute best going forward there, Amy. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.